0: be done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett, it's into the box, McNulty, cut back for Roberts, it's Gary Roberts for Pompey. Pompey! are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup!
1: Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle,
0: for so McNulty on the edge, Mark McNulty yes. short for Pompey. Smashes it past McCormack, won by Doyle, finished by the returning Mark McNulty! First left blood for Pompey, they're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball
1: to Jamal Lowe. Jamal onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal nonchalant,
0: fantastic, brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They
1: won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances.
0: The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Poppy fans and welcome to the PO forecast episode 57. Well this is a special episode that we're basically carrying on from episode 56 but it was quite long to record this part as well as the uh, reviewing all those four games for us catching up so joining me now is Freddie Webb so if you were listening to the last episode you're right back here Freddie. How are you mate? How's it going here? You're all right. Yeah, let's not let's not differ too much because people might have already listened to us through our little introduction. So the idea of this podcast, we did together a summer review podcast, didn't we, Freddie, of all the signings we we're making or who we wanted to look at. Um in the summer, they went down really well. People gave us a lot of good feedback for it. So with January approaching, we thought we'd first of all go through and rank Kenny Jacket's signings of 2019 um what's been successful what hasn't been successful um and then following on from there we've taken on well we put a question out to you guys the listeners and again thanks for the amazing response from you guys um and girls and uh yeah who do you want to sign who do you want kenny jacket to sign um it where do we need reinforcements Uh, and then we're basically going to go through that and then we've got freddie here who has literally pulled together an amazing list with me just contributing, I'm going to say, Freddie, because you've done a lot of this work for this, um, of potential transfer <laughs> targets well, that we yeah, can look at. Um, do you
1: want to go through what, how I made my list of players and what sort of things I looked
0: Let's do that yeah. when we get to the section so it's fresh in everyone's mind because they'll forget by the time we get through to that. Yeah, so, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Let's do. It. Let's go into the 2019 signing so far. Now, to, just to give you guys a bit of background, we've chosen not to rank all the ones that still aren't with Portsmouth because it seems little point now. We'll just say that these were bad acquisitions or didn't work out as such. So honorable mentions to the incredible signings that we had from there. Um, obviously, the ones that left the club: um, Omar Bogle, five out of ten; Otterbar, five six out of ten. Possibly on the level. Apart from that awful offside pass, um, he did act, add some he's attacking in talent. Now, do you remember? He is, isn't he? I saw him in front of some yeah, massive yeah, oil like, painting.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's playing for c s k Sofia now, and I think
0: that's where Kennedy from Plymouth went there as well it is which actually ended the rumors of Pompey constantly wanting to get him didn't it yeah I no I was sick of those yeah it was just constant mentioning about him so yeah no good luck in Bulgaria I didn't actually look how he's doing in Bulgaria he didn't blow me away enough that I thought I was going to keep track on his on his career and um, no other... he was very he was very average but we'll move on yeah, other uh, mentions obviously, goal machine and Sunderland favourite, James Vaughan. Absolutely awful. Yeah, absolutely dreadful. Um, and then you've got Lloyd Isgrove, who. That was just a shame because he seemed like, he on
1: paper, he seemed like a decent depth signer, but he just got injured too much. He He's doing really well done. in League 2 now, though.
0: He was crooked, though, wasn't he, that season, which is why Barnes loaned him out to us in the first place?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, otherwise he wouldn't literally wouldn't actually uh, be given out by a promotion rival to us, which is the question everyone asked originally when he was signed. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, okay. no. So I was going to say the signings that we actually retained from the January transfer window: um, Andy Callan, one hundred and forty-nine thousand pounds approximately, apparently, uh, and Bryn Morris, undisclosed. I don't know how much the transfer was for that. Don't know if you know. It, range wasn't, it wasn't them. very high, I don't think no shrewsbury those shrew people not passing out any stats on it but yeah so obviously you've got those two in the mix and then from the summer none of these players have been released yet so they're all included in our rankings you've got john marquis which apparently was for 1.53 million plus add-ons rising to about 2 million um james bolton on a free transfer uh paul downing on a free transfer ryan williams on a free transfer marcus harness for approximately 850,000 pounds um Ellis Harrison for about 450,000 pounds uh Ross McCrory joining for a 6 to 12 month loan because they have the option to terminate it um in January if they want to Rangers i've heard that's not the case spoke out to our <clears throat> friends of the show at Four lads had a dream um which is the big Rangers um blog and podcast up there really uh, that, it, yeah. did, you, did you think that Rangers aren't going to terminate his loan in January no, I spoke to them about it, and obviously I'm not so sort in of voice of authority, but um, they're saying to me they don't see any point bringing Ross back at the moment. He's not going to be anywhere near the first team due to how the first team is playing. Um, injuries, they'd think he'd be rather him get some game time down here in Portsmouth, um, potentially, rather than bring him back to Rangers and just sit him around rehabbing. Fair enough. So people who are worried about Ross McCrory leaving what we've heard from our mates up at fallout's had a dream is he's probably going to stay for the rest of the season. Um, And then you've got Sean Raggett who joined on a 12 month loan um, to the end of the season, basically without the option to recall him um, from Norwich. So that's where we are. So what we've done is we've ranked them. I think there's one to 10. There's 10 people in total who are still remaining from us from the 2019 signings. Freddie, who did you have bottom of your list? Bottom of my
1: list for the worst signing. Well, <clears throat> that's. What I think actually, I, I'm not. Put, I'm not. I haven't ranked Bryn Morris at all because honestly, he's. Uh, we haven't seen enough of him, and oh. every time I have seen him live, or at all in a Portsmouth shirt, he's been great rehabbing an injury or coming off an injury or is still injured. So I thought it was unfair to rank him as a player. So I've just removed him entirely. In terms of it, it, my lowest ranking, has to be. Paul Downing at a two, because it's such a shame. He hasn't really been given the chance after his two awful games against Burton and Coventry. And I thought he would be the centre-half to fit alongside Christian Burgess for this season. At the start, when, uh, for example, I saw him at Sunderland away, he looked solid enough. But his confidence just dipped, and now, for example, Penny Jacket playing... Oliver Hawkins ahead of him at centre-half and seemingly everybody else at centre-half instead of him, that is easily the most disappointing transfer for me.
0: So I did include Bryn Morris and I put him bottom of the list purely just to, due to the impact he's had and it's just been absolutely nothing. But we'll skip past Morris then because you haven't included him in the list um, and go to Downing. I had the same. Um, I had big expectations for him this season. Um, the guys I know over in Doncaster really rated him and told me what a signing it was, um, how he was going to complete the back four, and he could step in and do a job, not saying he was Matt Clark, but could do a job in League One um, good enough to cover the loss of Matt Clark. I thought in pre-season he didn't look too bad, actually, um, from the games I went to watch. Um, but it's just all fallen apart, hasn't it? And he looks like an absolute headless chicken running about a centre-back oh he does which is, a, which is a real shame to be honest I don't think you can get his confidence
1: back from the way that Kane Jackets treated him really I don't think there's any way back from the portal which is a bit of a shame because in in the first two games he looked solid enough but then against Burton and Coventry he looked well there's nothing else to say he just looked awful he he, he looked like he, he, he looked like a shadow of the player he was for Doncaster which is a real shame
0: yeah yeah he did indeed but let's not dwell too much on Downing let's move on who do you have next on your list? Uh, but, but I've ranked my transfers on being disappointed
1: in how they've performed or what I thought they would be. Yeah, And I've put Ross, Mc- Ross McCrory second last, uh, a fr- uh, three out of 10. He, I thought he would complete that centre midfield free because as soon as I signed him, I immediately thought, ah, they're going to play him at centre midfield in a 4 3 free with Ben Close and Tom Naylor. And he would be that box to box midfielder who, who is very good defensively and can go forward, even with the injury is he hasn't been that, he hasn't been that little piece that like that Ben Thompson piece from last season to push the team over the top, which has really disappointed me.
0: Yeah, I've got to say, actually, I, I had really big expectations for Ross, especially after talking to those lads again from the Rangers blog. Um, I didn't have him at this position, actually. Um, I didn't rate it necessarily on disappointment, which is fair enough, but I just rated it on, I thought overall impact to the team so far. Um, And controversially, I put James Bolton there. Uh, I'm not surprised at all because
1: he's pretty much just above where I put Ross McCrory. So we got him in a similar point.
0: Yeah. I just thought that James is, you know, the last couple of games, he's looked a bit better, but coming in as an established right back and losing your position to everybody under the sun, including Burgess. And then he comes back and he's got McCrory playing there ahead of him instead. Um, which is why An, Ant- uh, Anton walks playing Anton ahead of Anton walks. As well. Everyone wasn't there. Anyone he could think of, he could push out there. So he had absolutely no faith in James Bolton, which makes it a dreadful signing in my perspective. If you sign a player yourself and then you think he's rubbish and don't play him, so he admitted
1: it in the news, didn't he? he yeah, like
0: yeah.
1: He admitted it in the news. Oh, it doesn't suit my system yet. Then why did you sign him at all? I know he's on a free, but this is the player you wanted to replace Nathan Thompson with. And I completely agree with not giving Nathan Thompson a new contract, but if you're replacing him with effectively nothing, then it makes that move look all the more it, it makes it look all the more ridiculous.
0: So you had Ross McCrory um next up the list, did you? I did,
1: but I had James Bolton at a similar rating. So you could have chopped and changed it by the way. They were both as oh. disappointing for
0: me. So I actually put Sean Raggett next in my list of players I thought um had been poor. Um again, heard good things about him to play centre back. He's very hot and cold. He's played some games which are particularly good, but I couldn't rank him above some of the other signings that we had in the attacking side, and therefore I rated Sean Raggett as my next up, then Ross McCrory. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not surprised by that at all. So at the moment, for example, I've got Paul
1: Downing at the bottom, then Ross McCrory, then James Bolton, then Sean (laughs) Raggett after him. He's a a solid enough centre-half at times when it comes to aerial ability and crossing, but if you put a through ball past him, and, uh, uh, and a strike is going onto the ball or a wing is going onto the ball. At pace, he can be a turnstile at times. It's a real disappointment. I didn't ex- expect him to start. I expected Paul Downing to start instead. So I thought, oh, it's a backup centre-half until Jack Watmore comes back. Sure, Raggett's fine. But, oh, God, he's very, very inconsistent and not really what a team that is expecting to get automatically promoted needs. And that is why maybe I'm being harsh on a lot of these players.
0: So if if you look at that, then if you if, you, if we both rule out uh, Morris due to his lack of game time completely, and then look at the bottom four, we've got one midfielder who's been playing right back some time, and the rest of them are all defenders, aren't they? Exactly. Um, which when we get on to the next section of the transfers and who we want to sign, um, sort of points in that direction, doesn't it? Where we need to add, um, where we need to add defenders, and probably quite rightly so. Why some people are maybe doubting the the team's ability to scout the right sort of players oh precisely
1: because really well apart from Nathan Thompson and Lee Brown both those fullbacks Kenny Jacket used the centre-halves that Paul Cook signed and obviously those centre-halves are really good and quite rightly so but the fact that Paul Downing and Sean Raggett both both flipped and flopped at centre-half and looked pretty mediocre at times it is not a good look for the manager who supposedly has all the authority when it comes to
0: transfers Yeah, well, now we've gone past the defenders, I think we can start getting a little bit more positive about this list. And next up the list, who do you have?
1: Uh, 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 These two players uh, can be chopped and changed for me. If you you want to go out for 10 here, roughly around a six, I'm going to go Marcus Harness, actually, because he hasn't had as much of an impact as I would like, but I can see in blips the player that I saw playing for Burton last season when I saw him and the reason why he can potentially replace Jamal right wing. But some of it, but again, with a lot of these other players, he's been hit and miss for me.
0: I mean, I thought he had a very strong start to the season, got that injury, didn't he? He did, yeah. The
1: injury really <clears throat> rocked him completely. For example, I was at that game where he got injured and he controlled that game from midfield against Blackpool, helped out with um, Ronan Curtis and John Marcus playing up front so that's why he didn't he wasn't John Marcus wasn't isolated at all that game mainly due to the work of Marcus Harness but again I ranked it in a way that I thought he would be more consistent than he has been
0: okay I mean I had him a lot higher in my list but I've sort of based it on the fact of what I think would be a a good signing maybe going forward what I think has been a quality signing um and for me Marcus Harness has shown enough that I think he could be a very good player for Pompey oh, going forward be. Almost mm.
1: certainly. This, uh, this list that I've got can easily change and make me look like an idiot in six months' time. And quite rightly so, it can do. And I have, uh, a, lot, I have a lot of faith in Marcus Arnest to do a bit better than where I've put him on this list.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. Um, next enough, I've actually put Ryan Williams. Um, I think he's does a lot of work. I think he's got that, you know, he adds a bit of bite to the team. But for me... You know, at the start of the season, if we look at my disappointment, Freddie actually it would be the other way around because I didn't hear anything particularly good from from Rotherham fans about it. Whether that was just a little bit of spite on their behalf or whatever, but he, for me, he still lacks that killer instinct and that's that final ball. And it's almost that like the decision making actually as well. So, do you pass? Do you shoot? Right at the last moment? Do you cross? Do you? I think he's still lacking well, well, with, a bit of well,
1: that. With Ryan Williams, it's always skinned the player in front of you. <laughs> or attempt to skin the player in front of you. No.
0: Yeah, so I, for me, he he's in the middle of the pack down here. Um, and if you get the chance, I generally want to start Marcus Harness, who has that ability to cross and create goals like we've seen recently in the last few few games, or, or score a goal himself.
1: Oh, I do as well. No, I think with my list, a lot of players can be interchangeable. For example, I've got the next couple of players in blocks of roughly where I think they are, with one player on on the top, who I think most people can guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think with Ryan Fredericks for me, even though it's frustrating, he's the per- he's the perfect player to swap in. For example, if Marcus Harness isn't playing very well in certain games, he can make something happen. And I like how he's always confident to dribble with the ball. But his his de- decision making and product need a bit of work. But hey, he, we we got him on a free from Rotherham. He's not going to be the perfect player for this system, is he? No, exactly. And um, moving up the list, who did you get? Oh, this is a tough one, though. Because I think recency bias can come in with this one. Uh, Let's go with the elephant room. Let's say John Marquis, shall we? Same as me. We we, we, we talked about him a lot. A lot. In in, in the previous episode where we've gone about him, and there's a lot of bait uh, onto it saying, oh, how is he worth £2 million? And was he the player we bought from Doncaster? And should he be starting ahead of Ellis Harrison and that sort of thing? It's entirely down, uh, almost, but not completely, almost entirely down to the system why Marquis hasn't scored as many goals as he has for Doncaster. Him playing at Cam is ridiculous. I don't see how or why any reason we, he should play at centre attacking the field. I'd love to sort to Kenny Jacket about that. But even, when in, even in certain games where he played up front, sometimes he hasn't had that grip on the game where I thought he should do. And then again, in Codon's game, which you watched, he fluffed his half chances where, it, where a 2 million pound striker should have scored. it has been it's, been, it's been a frustrating first, first little bit for Mark, John Marcus
0: at Portsmouth for me. Yeah, no, it has. And maybe this is a bit where the emotive side kicked in for me, mate. And I did go a bit on most disappointed because not necessarily to his fault, but can't really see where he's adding value at the moment to the team as such, which is again, what I sort of tried to base it on. Um, Okay, uh, moving on. Who have you got? We've got three left, right? Yes, we have. The top yeah, three. Left.
1: The top three. Uh, even though he hasn't played as much as he should have done, I went for Andy Cannon in this spot. Mainly because whenever I've seen him, he's played exceptionally well at number 10. Or do you remember Would you remember when Kenny Jackett played a 4-3-3 at the beginning of the season, when Cannon played a lot deeper as well? Yep. He's played really well. When I didn't think he would be... I didn't think it would be a stronger part of the team or make this team play a lot better than he has. So him him and Ryan Williams, for me, are sort of in the middle, in the same spot. But Cannon hasn't had the games, unfortunately, due to many reasons, mainly stubbornness, why he hasn't started as much. But no, I think the, I think finally the, the signing of Andy Cannon's come, coming off, especially when considering the problems that Portsmouth have had at centre-attack midfield.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's in the, I'm in the same place. I've got Andy Cannon at third. I think also it's it's a case of he he cost 140 odd grand didn't he, um, which again is cheap. You know, good signing, good addition. Mm-hmm. But you know, we have, we've been talking about how much Andy adds to the to the team going forward and the mentality and being able to press. Um, and I think he's uh he's an important important player for the team and hopefully Kenny keeps picking him. Who's your number two then? So that is
1: uh, my two my number two is Ryan Williams, due to the fact that I thought he would be a lot worse than he was. <laughs> you're not very happy with that choice but really i thought i thought he would be a bit of a player and not play as much reports as he has done already i think again even though we've pointed out his problems already but in certain games i just think he he's necessary for that attacking intent that borts need needed times and i think he's proven me wrong in certain games even though he is painfully frustrating to watch
0: yeah, I can see that, mate. I understand why, um, and he he has made a difference to the team, and he is a good utility player. Um, I've I've got a bit controversial. I've put Marcus Harness at second, um, and it is just through his contributing to the goals tally and the assist tally, mate. And I th- I think that we're going to see him if he gets a, you know a regular starting spot. I think we'll see. If the team starts firing and does play as well as they did in the home games, for instance against um, Ipswich and Wickham, you can really see what a valuable player he is. Really, Um, precisely. Yeah. No.
1: No. If he if he gets the first team stint for the next two or three weeks, I think he'll be
0: fine and he'll slot into that team. And then finally, we both got the same person. I'm guessing if I can count properly, Freddie at the top, uh, which is Ellis Harrison, four hundred and fifty thousand pounds signing, roughly from Ipswich. He's been great when he starts, I think, all round he's been good. Good in the air, you know, good passing. You can run off the shoulder of defenders. And he's actually allowed Kenny Jackett, really, to come back from the brink, really, I'd say, um, by having that player who can play in a system that works for him.
1: Oh, precisely. You know, uh, again, we expect him to be the second choice striker behind John Marquis. And he's taken the reins right off him. He's got eight goals now, I think, I think, in all competitions. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's been great value for it. He's been very great value for it up front, bringing in the play with the wingers very well. And he he could do everything that Ollie Hawkins can do, and he's more mobile and can dribble as well, which is exactly, which is exactly the sort of quote-unquote target man striker that we've
0: needed. Yeah, no, he massively is, isn't he? But, again, these things are subjective, so let us know what you guys think. Uh, tweet us up at Pompey News now at PO Forecast. Right, Freddie, let's get into it, mate. Let's go. We've got a list of people which you've kind, kindly put together on your side of it. So you've got the list. So I won't go through them one by one with you. I'll let you <coughs> lead that part, mate. Um, What do you think then? Pompey, first of all, we, this is the big January transfer, isn't it? Window for Kenny Jacket, I just say, to set this up. Because as we said, the, the last January was a real flop of a flop of a window, wasn't it? At a time in which Pompey really needed us to make... Some smart additions really to get us over the edge. Um, and we got worked out, didn't we, after Christmas? And the Kenny Jacket's system didn't work. We we're stubborn. And we just tried to add players to it, really, which didn't fit the system. Um, do you think lessons have been learned? And do you trust Kenny Jacket now, mate, to make better and smarter choices in this window? <sighs> well, from the interview he
1: Hidman-Mark Catlin gave, they said that money was available in January now. They also said that they're going for quality over quantity, which is another good sign, because last season we had no depth in the squad whatsoever, which is why we got about four, three or four hmm. loan players instead, when we probably should have signed one or two permanent signings instead, which is a bit encouraging. Uh, whether I trust them to make a sensible transfer or not we'll have to wait and see because especially when it comes to defenders his record is hit and miss to say the least and even if he signs the right players will he trust them will he give them the run of games that these players actually need to suit the system in january i don't know well really in terms of the players i've looked at i've looked at defenders i think even though it's a controversial opinion to some people I think the midfield and the forward depth is fine. I, I, I genuinely think the midfield and the forward depth is okay. Ross McCrory should be able to be that third centre midfielder behind Ben Close and Tom Naylor. If you want another centre midfielder, Anton Walks played okay there as the fourth or centre midfielder as a more defensive option. Number 10, I haven't looked at attacking midfielders, but, uh, uh, but I understand why so many people want a new number 10 even though they've been crying out for Andy Cannon to start. If you get another number 10 now, so Andy Cannon's not going to play anymore then, I assume, because you'll start him ahead of Andy Cannon. So the de- uh, we, we've got two right-wingers who we like. Uh, left winger rise. you've got Ronan Curtis, and you've got Ryan Williams who can play on the left as well, and Gareth Evans who can play on the left. And I think in terms of strikers, we're fine, honestly. Yes, people are disappointed with John Marcus, but I think with just a few tweaks in the system, which we talked about in the earlier right. podcast and so on, I think John Marcus will score goals in this team. But even then, I think Ellis, Ellis Harrison the first choice. And if we get unlucky with injuries, we know what Ollie Hawkins can add to this side. And even Brett Pittman, even though people forget about him nowadays and that a central attacking midfielder, he's god-awful. But if, he, if you use him as a striker, he will pop up and score goals. So I think, I'm not sure what you'll think. You might might come up with a different opinion. I think the depth in midfield and striker is fine. But really, for me, the depth for centre-back and right-back and left-back is, it's been decimated effectively. We need a new centre-back, even though really you think, oh, we've got four centre-backs already and we've got Jack Watmore coming back. Relying on Jack Watmore to come back and potentially start in this team is very harsh on him, considering he's had his third 12-month layoff for a cruciate... Was it a cruciate knee injury? Remind yeah. me. Something like that, man. I actually it, don't know. His, it, it, his third cruciate. <laughs> to actively rely on him to immediately come back into the side ahead of Raggett, ahead of Downing, is very unfair, in my opinion. It's 100% obvious we need a new right-back, and that's mainly what my list consists of, because J- Bolton doesn't fit the system whatsoever. Kenny Jackett said as much. And he's a good backup option anyway, but we need another option there. I don't want Prosper McCrory playing there. I don't really want Anton Walks playing there either. So there we are. And the left back, we've had trouble with injuries. We've had Brown and Hounster both injured in quick succession. So maybe another left back there. But my, my list ma- it mainly consists of essentially players in the entire back four where you can add and then Portsmouth would be a lot much better but I think from some of the Twitter comments, they, they list a lot of centre-attacking midfielders as well, which I will happily look at afterwards because I think if you are to add anybody at midfield and striker, you have to add it there rather than anywhere else. What do you think?
0: I I, I agree, mate. I think we need <clears throat> defensive additions, basically, into this team at the moment. Um, midfield, you know, I'm fairly happy with. If if they're going to come out and sign a a flagship centre-attacking midfielder who really adds the... You know, create something different behind the strike. I'm not against that as a as a move, but I think for yeah. essentials now, we really need to to sort out the back four, basically. I think the only person I'm really um sold on keeping the team really is is Christian Burgess in, in the centre back position. Um and if you said that to everyone last season in December, everyone would have kicked off. I can tell you that right now. If they said that Burgess was the only player you wanted to keep in the back four. This time next year, there would be an absolute outcry, wouldn't there? Um... Oh, precisely.
1: Yeah. No, considering how well ports have performed last season, ports of last season were defensive first. They had the best, near the best defensive record in the league last season. And to go from that to this is very worrying. It's very, very worrying. So, yeah, that's why in my list, I focused on the back four centre backs, right backs, and left backs. I could always come back on another podcast and look at cams in the future as well, because that's the that's the position I had in my mind but I wanted to focus on the back four first because that's the part that Portsmouth need to strengthen the most
0: agreed and I, I also agree on the fact of Jack Watmore that if we sign another fantastic centre-back and then Jack comes back and wow so much he forces out either this centre-back or Christian Burgess that's a great, great situation to be in and um, it's you can't take the risk and hope that jack doesn't either get injured again or he's not fully fit or no 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 he's not yeah, playing exactly. the same level so jack Waltmore for me is an a sparkling addition to the squad who you know if it, if it works out really well and he's amazing then then you know i'll be over the moon but i definitely don't want to you know risk our promotion potential um on a player who hasn't played for a long time
1: no precisely and he will he he, he can happily be that for and center half and then maybe take that spot later on in the championship when he's when he's back up to speed Do you remember last time when um when he was coming off that cruise ship that second cruise injury he was a bit sluggish a bit very very mm-hmm. rusty but then then he turned into the best center half partnership with him and matt clark yeah so you have to give him time you can't rely on you can't leave the center half position for me as is and then hope jack coming back is the solution because You've basically ruined Paul Downing. There are loads of arguments whether he's a good centre-half or not. You've basically ruined him at Portsmouth now because of the lack of contents in him. And Sean Raggett is very inconsistent, and I don't want him being alongside Christian Burgess as the uh, as essentially the second centre-half all the time. I don't think he's the right player for Portsmouth at the moment. As a squad player, absolutely. He's a, he's a good enough player for that, but I don't want to be relying on him at centre-half for... Uh, for, a, for a, an automatic
0: promotion push. Yeah, I agree, mate. All right, mate, you've got the list in front of you. So do you want to start, you to, do you want to start by position? Um, have you managed to organise it by position? Yeah,
1: yeah, I've sorted it by position. And cool. what, what I'll quickly go over first is what I have looked at in terms of compiling this list together, because really, Portsmouth are in a weird position. If you think about it, Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth haven't really got many places to look for for players without it being a risk. You've seen them look at non-league before, but this is a team wanting to get promoted to the championship without being able to afford championship wages. So I've, this has come as a surprise to people, I've ignored the championship entirely for players, mainly because the players who have played this season or lack of, they haven't played enough minutes, so you don't know how good they are. They will be on much bigger, a lot of them will be on much bigger wages than poor of players have already. So really, that's as much of a risk as signing a player from the conference as well so I've ignored that entirely the leagues I've looked at for my, for the players are League 1 players, players players from teams around us who are much better than the side they're playing for and with the idea of oh it's Portsmouth football club they might want to sign and move to a promotion pushing team I've looked at League 2 as well which some people might be against but for me there's a lot of value in League 2 especially for slightly younger players who can immediately slot into the side and still be very good at League One level. You see it all the time, League Two sides getting promoted and then pushing on into League One, which is technically what Portsmouth did as well. So I looked at that league. I've looked at SPL as well, mainly for basically anybody who doesn't play for Celtic or Rangers. Yeah, Because now the SPL... The SPL is in a funny position where it's partially championship level, partially League One level. So, for first teamers, there they're, they're playing against good players, obviously at Celtic and Rangers, and certain 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 players, certain teams might have played in Europe recently as well. So, I think that's also a good place where Portsmouth can have a look at some of those players. Might be unrealistic as a January signing because, well. Do they want to uproot in Scotland and go all the way down to Portsmouth? You'll have to wait and see, I suppose. But yeah, those are the three leagues I've looked at for players because I assume I kept it to the UK because I assume Portsmouth don't scout much outside of UK and Ireland as well. So I tried to make those limitations first and then go from there, I guess. So cool. you, uh, one player on my list who you know very well, plays Crawley Town in League Two, David Sessey. Can you tell me more about him?
0: Yeah, he's a good player. He can actually play on... He's sort of of predominantly on the right side, but he can play left back as well. So he's two-footed. He's really quick. He's got good acceleration, good ball control. He always looks for the overlap to get round wingers. I can imagine him just banging it around Marcus Harness or Ryan Williams on the right-hand side. Um, He's not scared to beat players. He's defensively responsible. Um, He's a young kid. I think he came from the Watford Academy. Um, They released him. Um, Crawley picked him up. Um, he shone really at the second half of last season. He's quite a raw talent in that sense. There was interest from other clubs. I know that um, from the Championship and League One at some point, um, it was loose interest from in Championship clubs. And he wanted to stay and play more games, basically. So um, I know Crawley might have uh, just sold him anyway if there was a huge money bid. Um, that didn't come, probably because of the lack of experience he had as a player in, in the first team. But again, he's impressed this season for for Crawley um, and he would be the kind of perfect fullback, really, in my opinion, for Kenny jacket system in that get up, get past people. Um, and yeah, he would create space, but he's also pretty defensively responsible. I think I've seen him about five times. I don't live that far away from Crawley. Um, I've seen him play against Pompey again. He, he was outstandingly good in that game. I thought, but he's he's you know consistently um, their best player, which is a lot to ask for a team. We're in mid table in League Two, and he's a, he's a young right back. So play across either either side, he can cover left back, right back, uh, and for me, he seems like you know a very good fit. And money wise, I wouldn't think you'd have to break the bank to sign him.
1: Oh, precisely. Well, these are the sorts of players I wanted to go after. Uh, well, which again is quite controversial. For some people, so a lot of people, want. That big, marquee signing. But I looked I, lo- I looked, at the stats and how they play on the pitch and removing the idea of, oh, just because he plays for Crawley or just because he plays for Shrewsbury, he's crap. And from a video I've seen of David Sessey, he, he could do exactly the sort of job that Nathan Thompson used to be able to do. He's fairly solid in terms of the amount of defensive duels he has per 90 minutes. And with the amount he's winning, he wins more than half of them, which is pretty much the boundary of where I look at so again, a fullback who's defensively solid and can do that thing that we've been mentioned before, get forward with those runs and potential crosses as well staying in League 2 another player who I looked at was Perry Nig from Kroer Alexandra mm-hmm. if you follow Ali Maxwell from Not, 20, Not Top 20 Podcast he put him in his team of the season so far at right back so any League 2 player to get but essentially, the best right back out of those three divisions is a lot. A young captain, a captain of Crew Alexandra at 23 years old, pretty much played all of this season and last season for Crew. He's got and the stat that screams out for me his is expected assist number of 2.89. For people who don't know, expected goals and assists, that that marker 2.89 is a lot per 90 minutes as well. It's the highest on my list for fullbacks as far as I know. Second highest actually, but one of those fullbacks plays as a left midfielder as well. So he seems again like exactly the sort of fullback who can make the step up from League 2, slot straight into the side now and be defensively responsible in the air and on the floor and make those runs to support the wingers in the field and be fairly comfortable if we do get promoted to the championship. There's no point in signing players who we think, oh, he could be all right for now but then we have to for example bin him in the championship because he's not good enough. From what I've seen of Perry Nig, I think he'd be he would sort in at league 1 really really well.
0: And uh, and at championship level you have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, but he's one of those players, he's at the right age, he's um got a good head on him as well, um you know, captain in crew and um, there's a lot of potential there for him. I would say that other clubs will be interested in him for sure in January. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. you would have to so pay, a, yeah, yeah, pay a bit more money for him. And um, crew obviously develop young players very well. Um, yeah, so he's a signing that maybe you've got to spend a bit more money for. But again, he's probably an even, even safer bet, isn't he? Um, yeah, the it, game, it, for, the game for it, the yeah. yeah, precisely.
1: Because uh, I, I don't think, I don't think financially he'd be out of the realms of possibility for Portsmouth. I don't think he'd, they would ask for a ridiculous amount of money. But he's at the right age where he's not a prospect. And it, well, he's still a prospect in terms of he can get better, but he's not a prospect in, in terms of he can't be put into that side now. He takes yeah. both boxes. In yeah, terms he's... of he's good enough now and, and can improve in the future, which is what many people have said about on Twitter, they don't want players who are a prospect for the future but can't slot into this team now.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, quickly, shout out to Callum Thompson again, who also um, recommended getting Sesse from Crawley. Um, um, what did he say about Sesse from Crawley? Um, he's He lives around Crawley Downs. He's seen him as well. So it's um, he said, I would perhaps be willing to take a look at David Sesse from Crawley. He's a fast left-back, right-back. Um, the only thing he said is he's not sure if his technical ability is for League One. However, he is very young. I think he's mm-hmm. fine watching him play. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, so... He Shout out there, Callum. Um, Team Sesse there. Um, yeah, cool, man. Let's move on. Um, who's the next player you got on the list? Right, so
1: now let's go to some players, some right-backs who are playing in League One, our level. So some of them I've looked at. One of them plays for Rotherham, Michael Ollosunday, mm-hmm. America, American-Nigerian. Again, he's along the same lines of Perry Nigg in terms of the... Um, the filters I put on, on him high expected uh, high expected assists. He does a lot of defensive uh, defensive duels, and he's fairly successful at him. Wins less less of his duels than Perry Nigg does, but he's playing at a high division, so I think that equals it out a bit. And yeah, pretty much pretty much at the same mold can get up and down very well. Yeah, essentially he's he's another player on the list who I really rate.
0: I forgot we are going to do a feasibility, weren't we, out of 10. So I'm yeah, going to go nine, nine out of 10 for the left from Crawley. Um, and I'll, I'd say Nick, maybe an eight out of 10. Yeah. An, yeah. A seven or an eight, mainly, mainly yeah.
1: because of competition for other teams bidding for him. For example, if a championship team bids for him, he'll just go there.
0: Won't he? Most yeah, likely. We'll, we'll go seven then just use to hmm. the hype. Um, and here, it's a, it's a rival team, isn't it? Yeah, precisely I
1: um, that. They'll probably put a premium on him because he's a, he's a young player, same age as Ceci, 21 years old. Played pretty much most of the first team games at right back for Rotherham. Two assists this season as well. Of that similar mould, I think he'd be around a six or a seven in terms of feasibility for me
0: yeah because they do have a, a level in which they will sell players rather than they're not a they're not a financial juggernaut juggernaut even juggernaut house um know <laughs> <laughs> what a juggernaut house be mate but uh, yeah no I, I think that's a it's a good option i'm <clears throat> i'm tempted to go at the moment looking at um a nick from crew but um yeah I let's think, move yeah, on. He, nick from crew is well, if I had to put a top
1: of the list for right back, he is the right back that I would go for compared to the other players on this list. But all the others are really good as well. I wouldn't have put them on the list otherwise if I didn't think there'd be partial realism of them signing for Portsmouth. So, yeah. That's it. Cool. So, he's next, ready? Right. In terms of other right backs, this one I'm not sure you'll like. And he fits... That stereotypical mould that people are looking for in terms of his age and his experience, I've gone for Connor McLaughlin from Sunderland, the right back, not the goalkeeper. Um, in terms of minutes, he's played most of his games at right back this season. Less expected goal, uh, expected assists than Nick Olsson Day and Cessi, but that's mainly because he's a more defensive, solid option compared to those two. He wins. I think the stat that cries out for me, he wins 72% of his aerial duels, which compared to the other full-backs blows them out of the water. So if you want a more solid defensive option and with championship experience, you'd go for him as well. But whether he would leave Sunderland for Portsmouth is highly unlikely for me. They might try and sell him for financial fair play reasons, but since he's starting in the Sunderland-back four, I don't think he'd move to Portsmouth, but I'd put him on the list anyway because it fits that mold that people are looking for and it's not completely out of the realms of possibility. A player who's had championship experience and is performing well in League one anchor may potentially make step back up again.
0: Yeah, you're right. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of this. If we did decide to make it, I'd rather we spent the money somewhere else. And I think that this would be an expensive option. Um, when we're looking at James Bolton and say he's not attacking enough, you know you want to bring in someone that contrasts that. I I don't see McLaughlin getting forward enough, and I personally um, think that this would be not only unlikely but as we said could happen. Um, but it's just not the right move for us at the moment. And do we want to, want to get up some of um, in.
1: Do you want to bring up some of McLaughlin's dribbling stats? I'll I'll just find them. Find them in terms of dribbles per 90 <clears throat> minutes, it's 2.06, which surprisingly I didn't bring this up is the amount is roughly the amount of dribbles that Joe that Nathan Thompson dribbled last season okay and he wins nearly 49% of them so again he's similar in that Nathan Thompson mold in a more defensive option he can dribble and go forward stats wise but whether he will do that consistently every game is another matter entirely so in terms of dribbles per 90 hang on for example you see on sunday with nearly four and 58% success rate. Then you have Perry Nig with 45 with 64% accuracy. Again, it sort of says what what we've been saying earlier, why McLaughlin is a different signing than Olison Day, Nigg and Sessi. But I, th- I still think if Ports were signed Colin McLaughlin, I wouldn't mind at all. And that's probably the reason why.
0: No, and it's good to have a varied list, mate, because some people listening to this podcast will be thinking, we don't need some young, pacey, right back who's not quite an yeah. experience. and They want more of a veteran player who can come in and be solid as well. Um, There's no doubt he's a solid player to a certain level, mate, but I think we're going for a, a James Bolton 2.0, an improved version of what we've got, and I don't think that fits into the system.
1: Okay, fair enough. He he, he He's on my list because he fits another perspective of what players we have. And the final right back on my list is Again from League One As I mentioned no championship players on this list I've gone for Brad Halliday from Doncaster Rovers In terms of XA, expected assists Think about it The amount of times they're moving forward and putting crosses in You expect to get some assists at times He's got 2.81 per 90 which is really good Uh, In terms of defensively Let me bring that up quickly in terms of defensive stats, again gets into a lot of defensive duels like Nathan Thompson used to do, and, and wins over sixty percent of them, which is really good. And, it, and this is at League One level as well, so it gives some more. It, it gives a bit, bit more legitimacy than looking at a League Two player. He's twenty-four, so he's entering his prime as well. Played mo- played pretty much nearly every single game for for Doncaster this season, and again fits that mold that I've said earlier. I think he's the most prime option out of all of those he sort of fits in the middle between for example if you go for perry Nig being the perfect prospect who can get better so for player and then conor mclaughlin at the other end brad halliday sort of sits in the middle for me i'm not sure i don't know what you think but i think think yeah he, he he can be another player who pompey can go after without breaking the bank entirely.
0: Yeah, he's twenty-four years old, as you said, isn't he? Um he's he likes to play a lot of short, short sort of passes from what I've seen, a lot of the time and move. Um his tackling's good, he's he's yeah, he's a fairly strong player. Um he definitely fits to me in the middle of the two, as you say. He can get forward, he can pass the ball a bit, but he's also very defensively responsible. Maybe you think that some of the players from League Two you could say might struggle a little bit with the Attacking wingers in yeah. league one yeah. at the, yeah. at the yeah. higher with, level, uh,
1: with, with the step up as well, and thinking, I'm linking it with what ports have expect from their players. Since they're expecting automatic promotion, how will that player do in the championship if we get there? So I think I think Bradley Hall. It would be better for him to make that. It would be easier for him to make that step up than Nigolas Sunday and
0: Sassy. But I think again, you probably have to overpay. Um, coming from a rival club, in that sense, you know. Yeah, delivery. we've already did
1: Doncaster yeah. already. So, <laughs> again, but. No, it's yeah, exactly. He's my final right back on the list. There was another one, other one who, played, who played in the Scottish Premiership, but he's not as good as the rest of them. So I'll delete him off the list. I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you want to mention him just in case it comes back and Pompey uh, sign him? All right, fair enough, there's no way he's going to sign him because he's in
1: Scotland. Uh, Nicky Devlin from Livingston, older, 26 years old. He's more of an old rounder, similar to Conor McLaughlin, stats-wise. But I would rather Portsmouth sign all the other players because I've seen them more. I haven't seen as much of much video of Nicky Devlin, so I can't add as much of an opinion to him as the others.
0: And let's put it out there, Pompey. Then, if you sign Devlin, you're signing Freddie's fifth choice right (laughs) on the market. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. Next position, mate. Do you want to do? What do you want to do? Centre backs, left backs? Yeah, let's go centre half. Yeah, um, tough choice.
1: Yeah, I had trouble looking at centre half mainly from just from a stats point of view because it really comes down to, especially if you watch them on video, are they mobile enough and defensively responsible? For example, the filters that I put on. Looking at like, for example, defensive duels and aerial duels and all that boring stuff. Sean Raggett appears on that list. <laughs> so, and that's obviously we don't, it, to a certain extent, we don't want another Sean Raggett type centre back.
0: We, we want don't a, want another Sean Raggett centre back.
1: No, precisely. So, uh, what we want really, I put some filters on my centre backs where they make a certain amount of passes and are accurate with them. They don't have to do anything, any ridiculous sort of passing. You know that as much, but it's mm. just. Can they make a forward pass to the midfield or the fullback and be sensible on the ball and confident on the ball, for example? So let's have a look at, do I have any centre backs from League Two? I think I've only got one from League Two, actually. Yeah, I've only got one from League Two, the rest of them from League One and the SPL. So I'll go with the one from League Two first. Because he might he's more of than the bottom of my list compared to the established choices of centre half, mostly centre half. So I've got uh are a lot older, around twenty twenty-five to twenty-eight in their prime. So this centre half might not step up, step up as well as the others. But I've looked at Ferrand Rawson from Forest Green Rovers. Twenty-three years old, and the thing that points out that, that jumps out to me more is his passing stats. In terms of the ability to, what I said earlier, just pass the ball out a lot better than the others. Have you heard of him before?
0: I have a little bit. He's he, from what I've seen. He gets the ball down. He seems a bit composed on the ball and plays out Forest a screen, like to play the ball out. Um, so he's he's playing for a team at the moment where he's not expected just to lump it clear. If that makes sense, he, um, he's fairly mobile for a young yeah. defender. Um, so any any
1: centre can be asked to lump it clear. So I haven't looked at like long ball stats or anything. I've just looked at what I what sort of thing that
0: I would want from a centre half, similar to a as close to a Matt Clark as we can get. Essentially, someone who can actually put the foot on the ball and make a smart pass is actually I think important enough for us at the moment. Not just get some slugger at the back because the team needs to get the ball moving, get it up forward quickly. Um, and I think he's not a bad shout for a League Two defender. No, precisely. For example, I found I found his passing stats now. He makes around
1: 33 passes a game and his accuracy is 82%. And most of them, are, a lot of them about are forward passes as well. So he's not the sort of centre-back who pads out his passing stats by just passing backwards. He, can, In terms of the, um, the role that I would want to ask him for, he can do both because, for example, at the moment, Burgess is the only ball-playing centre-half we have. And last season... And maybe in the season before that, we had two centre halves who were comfortable on the ball, and I think that's what Portsmouth really need. So, as a as a as a more niche choice, Rossen is on that list, but there are so many other centre halves that I have here who I'd rather have instead. So, cool. Let's move on. Next one. Right. So this centre half, Aaron Pierre. You would have seen him in the in Portsmouth Evening News already. As a potential signing, and considering how defensively sound Shrewsbury were, on paper looks like a good choice compared to some of the other centre I've seen. He would be a good signing, but he'd ask for a pre- Shrewsbury would ask for a premium because of how well he's playing and the defensive unit is playing, and he is not as good on the ball as some of the other players. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, have you got any comments on that?
0: Um. He seems a bit of a threat going forward. I've seen that. He's he's. I I thought he was fairly all right on the ball. I know he's he's physically okay as well. Um, I think he'd be a good signing. But then we are comparing what we've got at the moment. I think there mm-hmm. a lot of these players will come out as a good signing in comparison to what we're playing now. I don't you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too.
0: Mm. But I do think a couple of others that we mentioned who will just come on to pip him definitely as as better defenders. No, uh, precisely. And another one from League One. Who I would re- it, it, it,
1: in a similar mould to Aaron Pierre, but slightly better, is uh, Michael Equay from Rotherham. Yeah, good, I fan. really like the luck of. Uh, I really like the look of him. He somehow got three assists from centre half this season, which mm-hmm. w- which is a bit mental. But even going on from that, he averages twelve aerial duels per ninety, which is along the similar lines of Sean Raggett. So you think, oh, he's a bean pole, but no, wins about seventy percent of those, and. He's up there with interceptions at 10, and he's at, but he makes 33 passes a game at roughly 76% accuracy and about two-thirds of them are forward passes. I think, in terms of the League One centre-halves that I've picked out, he is the one to pick out of all of them. At that age, at 27 as well, he is in his prime and he can make that step up to the championship. I think that could be okay. In terms of feasibility... Rather will ask for a lot of money, obviously, because he's their best, their best centre half. But if Portsmouth wants to make a proper statement, then he is the centre half to pick out of the League One centre halves that I've looked at.
0: And you've got to think he's going to cost anywhere between eight hundred and fifty grand to a million. Oh, if he if he, if
1: he costs cost a million, I would not be surprised. That, yeah, that, that's rough. The rough idea of how much I think he'll cost, but he's basically, if you think of Aaron Pierre. And Curtis Tilt, yeah. those sorts of players at roughly a 6 or a 7 out of 10 for who you want to sign, mm-hmm. he equates it at 8 or 9 quite easily for me, if you if you
0: want me to boil it down to that. No, I think that's fair. I think he's been possibly the best centre-back in the league this season. It's not hard to say against that. I know, statistically, he's looking good. Um, and he plays for a team where it is possible to go out and spend money and buy the best centre-back. It will take an overpayment because, you know, who wants to sell in January? They're their best centre-back to a potential promotion rival. Um, oh, but yeah. where,
1: uh, I think compared to someone like a Curtis Tilt or an Aaron Pierre, if you want, if Portsmouth want to overpay for a centre-half, that's the one
0: to overpay for. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and also... We'll... Yeah. Sorry, no, carry on. No, I was just going to say we'll come on to Curtis Tilt later on because people have, some people have suggested him. Again. He's, on my, he's on my list, actually. I'll just put him on there
1: anyway, but we'll go over him at the Twitter section, so that'll be fine. Cool. Do you want me to carry on? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: go, mate. Go. Right. You've got the. Right. You've
0: got the list. You've got to
1: right. go for it. Right. One more centre half from League One, who I would also rate, but may ask for a premium. Is Harry Souter from Fleetwood? Twenty-one years old. Played most. Played pretty much nearly every single game for Fleetwood in terms of minutes. But again, he's he's one of those players where he wins three quarters of his defensive duels if he has any, but he makes less of them than Iekwe and Pierre and some of the other centre halves we had. But Mm -hmm. he's in that thing where he he wins nearly two-thirds of his aerial duels as well. So, again, if you want a younger option, you go with Harry Suter. But for me, it's Michael the (laughs) Ekwe. is the first choice, centre-half, out of the League One ones that I've picked. But Harry Suter would be my close second for me.
0: Yeah, and he's been another... Another reason why Fleetwood are doing pretty well this season at the back, isn't he? They're, you know, d- defensively difficult to break down, um, and he's been a big part of that. And I think if you get another player like Seater in, um, and mm-hmm. plug and play him, he's ready to. He's a plug and play player, isn't he? These guys that they're they're a, they're a, they're playing well, get him in, put him at the back. They know what they're doing. Um, he immediately improves the team. And for play, you know, fans and listeners who genuinely think we need to go out and get that established player. Which is what the Einers have been talking about, isn't it? Really, you know, oh, precisely, yeah. want to go quality over quantity. Um, these are the guys that you need to go and get. Precisely. And
1: now the la- I've got two more centre backs left from the Scottish Premiership, avoiding all the the stereotypes of the stuff of the Scottish Premiership being shit. I've watched a lot of football recently. The Scottish Premiership games are the most enjoyable ones that I've watched. The Edinburgh derby and the Old Firm. So that says as much for me anyway. So if you want, if you want a player who's a bit younger, similar to a Harry Suter mould, you could go for Jason Kerr from St Johnston. Again, similar to Harry Suter, wins seventy eight percent of his defensive duels because he does a lot of them. Because St Johnston are not playing that well this season, but his but his passing stats are a lot worse than some of the other choices we have. He makes a lot. He makes around twenty nine passes a game but his accuracy compared to the amount that he makes is a lot less. So he, he's on the list as a filler, but for me, and my dad mentioned this player, so I went and looked him up later, probably in terms of feasibility, might be on the edge for this one, whether he would want to move all the way down from, from Scotland to Portsmouth, obviously because of the geographic thing, and in January, this is another player who along with Michael Lecque would be a real statement at the centre half. I would love it if Ports were signed Declan Gallagher from Motherwell. Scottish international, not anymore as far as I know. I don't think he's in the Scottish international side anymore, so his cost would have gone down in that regard. But again, on the lines of has seven and a half defensive duels per 90 minutes and wins three quarters of them, 70% of his uh, percentage of his aerial duels as well. So, So he's not so he can defend on the floor and in the air as well. And he's not shabby with passing either. Makes 44 passes per 90 minutes, which is the highest on my list for centre-halves. So if you if you really want that another ball playing centre-half who can dominate games, you can go for Declan Gallagher. But honestly, considering he's in this national and he'll have to move all the way down, he's probably the most expensive choice
0: on this list. Yeah, he's going to cost a million pounds up, isn't he? Easy. We're well, easy. Even even one and a half to two million. Yeah. Yeah. As a centre half, which
1: is understandable considering how good he is. But I think for me, in terms of um, let's say player calibre, we'll, we'll use that term in terms of um, where the player is playing. That's the cap I think Portsmouth can go for without it being unfeasible financially. Because I've looked for players who've played a lot this season. I haven't looked for. for backup players in the championship who you're now saying oh you're our first choice center half now because i want these signings to be reliable and slot straight in so that's why i've looked at league one league two and spl and what players who have played at least 10 games minutes wise as well
0: nice there weren't any random left backs whether you got in the list that i've missed off
1: there are some left backs because uh, i i again i've looked at left back right back and center half central attacking f- fielder I've not looked at but I'll, I'll look at those later one of them in terms of left back we're facing in the next game Conor Ogilvie for Gillingham now mm-hmm. uh, the reason why Conor Ogilvie points that to me let me just get my filters all sorted so I can see him Conor Ogilvie again goes into that mould at left back He can, he's also played left centre half as well but mainly most of his games at left back has a high amount of defensive duels putting out in minutes, not as much as a Bradley Halliday or an All of Sunday. Maybe that's because Gillingham are more defensive. They are, yeah. So that might be why. But again, he's up there in his defensive stats and his passing stats as well. So I think that would be a good choice for put
0: to go after as well. And also, we mentioned him in the podcast we recorded just before pressing play again now um, for the Gillingham preview as a player to watch. So go and listen to that. Um, who else do you have, Freddie? And then right, we'll move for... on to the the listener questions, the input everyone else has given us, and we'll analyse that.
1: Right, so um, there are a couple more left-backs here, but I'll only go for ones on this list who I definitely think will make the jump now in terms of exciting signings. One's in League 2, so you won't think he's that exciting, but I went for Ibu Tori from Salford City. Now, one problem, because Salford have got a lot of money, his wages... You might have to ask him for a lot of wages to move away from there. But he's easily got the highest expected assist ratio on this list for fullbacks at six and a half. And yeah, it's mad, if, you, isn't if, it? if you don't know, uh, it, it, again, trust me, it's six and a half for expected assist is mental. Absolutely mental compared to the the second highest is Perry Nig on 2.89. So that gives you for fullbacks, that gives you... Well, it's per game, isn't it? So, yeah, per game, exactly. So yeah, uh, yeah. So that gives you the sort of idea of how attacking Ibu Tori is. Two goals, three assists this season. In terms of defensively, not as defensively solid as some of the other fullbacks we've mentioned. But if you want a, a bombing fullback who can go up and down alongside Ronan Curtis, Ibu Tori is the pick for me. In terms of finances, you might have to lay a lot for him because... He's probably making a mint at Salford City. I don't know how much he's making. But yeah, he was an interesting option that I shortlisted as well. I don't know what you think, you or how many times you've seen him, but I he's seen impressed him few me times. as A well.
0: handful of times. Um, as you say, he's quick, he gets forward. He's, mm. he's an attacking attacking left-back. I think Kenny Jackett might think he's a little bit defensively unresponsible. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, which... I,
1: I would say so as well, because he, yeah. he's easily probably, out of the full-backs I've got on the list, the worst defensively. Mm-hmm. but he's so good going forward could you imagine him and ronan curtis on the left wing chasing a game then i don't think many league one sides can put up with that on the left wing
0: and no, you can I'd, play a more he can play a
1: more defensive right back who can tuck in on the other side as cover as well
0: so yeah. Yeah, if, yeah
1: if you want an idea in terms of left backs none of them with left backs especially i i i, I sort of luxury players if that makes sense because i'm assuming that houndstrup and brown will come straight back in the side mm-hmm. and they'll be fine i really want houndstrup to start as well because at right back he looks very well imagine what he could do on his stronger side and lee brown is a solid seven out of ten defender he can have behind him so really in terms of left backs it's only the ones that really stuck out to me whereas at right back we can be a bit more flexible the only other left back who's on my list is scott tancer from st johnston who again he's up there high with successive def- defensive duels for 90 mainly because st johnston aren't aren't a strong spl side 25 in his prime and again fits the mold that we've mentioned earlier i'm not sure how much you've seen him but he's another option and a cheaper option compared to a or Torre.
0: haven't seen him at all mate and i haven't seen him at all so i have to take your word for it no um, he,
1: he could be a reasonable player but really whether he's higher on the whether you would replace houndstrop or brown with him it would be a 50 50 sort of thing so yeah he would be third on my list behind a gilvie and ibu tori at left back
0: nice and that's well, all of them people you have had a feast of suggestions there so let us know what you think at po forecast at pompey news now um let us know and hopefully that gets the transfer window um suggestions off to a bit of a bang because it's been a bit slow out there isn't it Mm. cool okay let's have a look at what you guys said as well because thank you again for everyone who messaged in um there's loads there's been loads of feedback so i've tried to go through and um you know take some of the ones that are the same and merge them together and all that kind of malarkey um so it's not repetitive to listen to so um i said who do you want to sign who do you want pompey to sign in january where does the squad need strengthening so uh sam macy came in he said he wants a new central defender and a right back houndstrip was a good option short term uh, when he had a run at right back we need some stability there for me bolton is quite good enough Think he says, not quite good enough. No,
1: yeah, we do need we have we've gone through this already. It's obvious we need a right back there, and I think it's unfair to again put Houndstrup on his wrong side at right back when he could easily start at left back and be much better there. So that's why we've gone through all the left
0: backs on the list and only about all the right backs on the list, rather, and only three left backs compared that's right um adrian parrish is for messaging mate he says what i don't want is prospects if we're serious about going for promotion we need proven players that can slot straight in well i think the strategy supposedly from the management and the suggestions that we've given here um hopefully should um if they're the right ones that are made um hopefully should be along the same thinking there as adrian i hope um, so, yeah
1: no i get his i get his point where he doesn't want younger players who aren't ready because we've had that last, in the last two Januaries haven't we we've had younger players who you think why have we signed them apart from the fact that they'll be good two years down the road when this season season's about promotion so hopefully statistically wise anyway out of the list I've given you the young players I have mentioned their prospects in terms that
0: they can get better but they can slot into the side now Exactly, that was that was part of the the mantra, wasn't it? When we're putting this episode together, to make sure that um, these players can make a real impact now, not just two years down the line. And let's be honest, everyone knows my thoughts on Pompey's lack of under twenty three development team. Um, Uh, It's a it's a travesty, but which just means we could talk, could talk.
1: We could talk for another two hours about that.
0: yeah yeah but it does mean that when you're signing players there's not much point signing a squad player who's particularly young who's not getting any experience to actually push their career on which means you do tend to lean towards buying players who can make that impact right now anyway because otherwise they're just not going to develop properly um sam stone messaging cheers sam again obviously been on the podcast loads and oh yeah congratulations sam for doing pompey live the other day um Probably should tell you that in person rather than over the, um, over the <laughs> podcast. But I think I forgot another, to message another, you. Another journo,
1: another journo student on the on the list here. So we're getting there quite
0: a few go. of them now. There you go, mate. People are going to be crying out for a number 10, but he simply does not fit his jacket system and never will. A Cannon Evans type player would always be his go-to in the 10 position, given the energy they provide for pressing purposes. A quality centre-back and a left-back are priority. They are indeed uh, a left-back as priority, and then we we it as right, right.
1: I understand why, simply because well, it depends how comfortable you are to have Anton Walk playing there until Brown and Houndstripper come back. Mm-hmm. You don't want to rush rush them back and risk injuries. So potentially getting another left back as a as competition is good. But I think if you are to go for a left back, you have to be a hundred percent sure they're better than what we have. And that's why my list of left backs is really short compared to right back, because I think Brendan Houndstrup can grow into that role and then Lee Brown is the perfect understudy behind him or until Houndstrup's fully ready, Lee Brown can slot in at League One level. At Championship level, probably not, but we'll have to
0: see if we get promoted, shall we? Yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. And um, Sam Stone obviously joined uh, Jake Smith on the podcast, on on the podcast, on Pompey Live. Um, And Jake writes in, cheers for messaging Jake. He says, I think we need a centre-back and a right-back. Confident in Brown and Houndstrop at left back, with Brandon covering at right back. Walks has proven recently he can do a job on the left, as we know he can on the right. Close has picked up his form, and Naylor seems to be guiding him recently. Maybe a number 10 to compete with Cannon. He's done well since coming into the team, but can't help with with his injury luck. We might need somebody else. Does Cannon's injury... Uh, luck, mean you think we should get another number ten in? Would it just be a squad mm-hmm. player though, just adding a player for player reasons rather than an impact he, he, player?
1: he has been injured for a while. We just haven't seen him because Jack hasn't picked him. It could be not, it could be a bad thing, but we got Gareth Evans as a number ten as a backup. And last season, Gareth Evans was one of the players of the season. So he's still got that. He can still, he can still do a job and give him a good performance. He's not, he's not entirely washed up in my opinion, and. But, uh, but after that, you'd have to change the formation if Cannon and Evans get injured, for example, because I don't want Brett Pittman paying at number 10 anymore, as much, as, even though he wants to. It no. doesn't work. He's awful. So. At 10,
0: mate. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cheers messaging in, Jake. Appreciated. Um We already went over what Callum said because it tied in with the Sisse thing. Um, uh, Chave messaged in he wants Curtis Tilk at tilt at centre back. Bradigan at centre midfield, which I guess he means Cameron Bradigan from Oxford, um, and a young right-back on loan. Um, Curtis Tilt at centre-back. There's been a bit of discussion about this. I actually went back to Chave about it on on Twitter and said, you know, he looks poor against Pompey. I thought that was the first thing that stood out in oh, my yeah, mind.
1: I, 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 I saw him live at the away game this season. Didn't look like the sort of player who... Portsmouth were uh, I think Blackpool asked for a ridiculous amount of money for Curtis Till wasn't it like half a million or something more for, than that Much more than more. that yeah God, he's not worth he's not worth that why Till why Blackpool are asking that amount of money you can go out and buy Ayew or Gallagher or even somebody over centre-half as we mentioned Curtis Till's a reasonable player and we know that similar levels to for example Manny Month and Aaron Pierre for me but I think Portsmouth can do better for the same amount of money and That's probably the reason why I didn't mention Tilt earlier. He's on, he's on my bigger shortlist, which is because I haven't gone for every single player, otherwise we'd we'll be here all day. But yeah, I think we'd, I think there are other options which Portsmouth can do to make things a bit better at centre half rather than Tilt this
0: season. Yeah, no, I agree, I'm, and I think that, and I think I think what Che said though is he said that he feels that Tilt isn't performing well because a bit like if you didn't let Lowe go, he's sort of sulking about not being given a move. But oh, personally. If that's no. the case, though, I, I just I just don't want him here. We need some no, positivity. Well
1: yeah, precisely. Well, it's not, it, it, I understand with Jamal Lowe because he wants to play in the championship, but I don't see why Tilt would be sulking that much considering Blackpool look like a playoff side already.
0: So but we'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll, we'll never know for sure on that one. What about Branigan at centre midfield? From, I'm guessing he means Cameron Branigan from Oxford, unless I'm, I'm way off on that.
1: I haven't seen that much of him actually, so can you fill in on that?
0: No, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> oh, I mean he's done all right. Look at his stats, mate. Because I always thought he was doing okay this season, but I didn't think it was anything anything special. But if maybe come, I've missed out. On,
1: if I come back on, I'll have a look.
0: But we've been rubbish re- re- um, responding to that to that. To be honest, mm, um, sorry about that. Sorry, should, pal. Uh, <laughs> Wait a second. No, it's not your fault, mate. I'm the fucking host of the podcast. I just <laughs> sort my shit, sort my shit out, mate. <laughs> but um, I didn't actually know too much about him. But I think he's playing fairly well this season. Let's have a look. I'll get his stats up. We can actually talk about his. Three. He's 23 years old. Um, five goals, five assists for them this season. So, um, plays in the centre of the field. Um, his passing's decent. Apparently, he plays particularly like of are like this, Freddie. And when you look him up, maybe in some more detail, um, he's got a very strong level of uh, key passes this season. Hence oh, the five okay. assists, I'm guessing. Hmm. Um, he's quite he's quite tenacious from the stats. He looks like he gives. A- he also gets booked a fair amount. He's got five yellow cards this season as well. Of oh, um, okay. course, fans will love him then. Sure, yeah, and two man of the matches, is, yeah.
1: Well, for a reminder to those sort of people, key pass is an accurate pass that leads into us into a chance that's not scored. So that so think of assists and then key passes as a secondary thing.
0: So if he's got five assists and a high level of key passes, then he's probably quite instrumental in Oxford on the table, and I should have paid more notice to him. Yeah, precisely. Um, <laughs> oh, good one, us lot. Right, mm. um, who else was mentioned? Who else was mentioned in that? Should actually, a, a young right
1: back on loan. Which... We've discussed that. We've got
0: yeah, a... I, 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 I'll, I'll drive a permanent signing at right back, personally. Same. So, I think we need someone permanent. Um, mm. <clears throat> I suppose unless you like James Bolton and want someone to cover him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, he's moving on. Bertie says he wants to move Marquis on and recover our outlay. Um, In brackets, no. high five. No. <laughs> I like the so, in brackets high five though. That's adds uh, a comic no, very element. Very positive,
1: to this. considering that's the least positive comment we've got. Now, I understand why because he's struggling, and he and he seems and Marquis seems not as advertised because people are thinking, oh, he scored twenty goals last season. He should be he should be doing fine, and he's fluffing a lot of his chances. It's frustrating, but you got to persevere on. Uh, you got to persevere with him. He's an investment. At the end of the day, you can't just burn bridges now after six months. Give him no, a bit he, more. Give him a bit more time, and then if you do want to sell him later, you can do. But I wouldn't sell him in January.
0: Yeah, a right back of decent League One standard. Hopefully, Freddie's giving you some decent right well, uh, right backs there. Um, number three, don't sell McGivory. That should be on number one of the list, to be honest. Because yep. if Ports, if Ports would do sell Craig McGivory
1: we may as well give up on playoffs right now. Uh, even if, for example, I was worried about this in the summer. If Celtic or Rangers come in, if Rangers come in for a piddly offer you have to say no but you have to maybe prepare if Rangers come in for a ridiculous offer considering he's in the scottish national side now let's say they come in for similar money that low and clark let's say around three three and a half million if you are to sell them you have to have a proper goalkeeper in line to come in now alex That's bass it. is doing very well alex bass is doing very well as a prospect but in terms of the expectation of promotion and championship he's not up there i don't think luke McGee is either considering he hasn't played for a year now the luke McGee would be a solid stand-in. if for example we couldn't get anybody in okay no, he wouldn't to, compared no, to the wouldn't. expectations no, of yeah, the owners wouldn't. well really I'm more positive on luke McGee than you then no thought, i've, I've seen him play
0: recently i saw him play in a reserve game i think it was, in, can't remember, it was wimbledon or something around him like that at wimbledon was it yeah Kingston I can't remember where it was but I uh, have mate he, uh, I'll be honest yeah good professional good bloke um he's done no one even wanted him in January we were trying to give him away and nothing happened mm. yeah, um enough. the politeness way I'm gonna say is he needs to find somewhere else and get some form back um if when it comes to new, new goalkeepers I know you're a massive Simon Eastwood fan
1: <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, that should be on the top of the list from you. It, it, if Portsmouth, Portsmouth can't sell Craig Gilvery, even if he's been struggling recently, you can't. That's an admission that 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 money matters more than team position at that point. And yeah. you, you're proving a lot of the people who don't disagree with what the owners are doing right if you sell him.
0: And this is this is basically one of those things that I think if the ownership do sell him, it'll be in the summer. A oh, bit like yeah. Clark and Lowe and, yeah, and whatever. Yeah, if we don't
1: Get promoted. McGilvery on the first list to leave if Rangers bid three, three and a half
0: million. Yeah, or two million, I reckon he'll go. Mm. Um, possibly a good centre back, but with what more coming back, maybe alone? question uh, uh, mark. We covered that already. Yeah,
1: I, again, I prefer opponent centre half. Considering you've burnt bridges with Downing, so you may as well learn him out now. To be honest with you. Uh, yeah. And then what? And then what more is the backup with Raggett alongside the new centre half. Whoever it may be, along and Christian Burgess. I think that would be good, those four centre halves.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And then any player in any position that will improve the starting eleven.
1: Well, we hope we've gone through those <laughs> defensively anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh Jackets Jacket, thank you for messaging in again, mate. Um, he'll settle for Brown and at McCrory on walks at full backs. If we got two top centre backs, mm. competition for Naylor um and another Canon close type player. Also, a proper number 10 as an option for games.
1: Uh, I do I, I do agree with that to a certain extent. Brown and Houndstrip at left-back. If they don't add another left-back in January, that's fine. McCrory, oh,
0: again, I'd just rather play him at centre midfield because that's his main position, though. I'd yeah, rather he, play him at centre he's, midfield. Well, he's a centre midfield or potentially a centre-back. He actually made his... Rise into the Rangers squad as a centre back, and then was moved by Gerrard into into midfield. So in front of the back four. Well, yeah.
1: So so by that logic, he should be the backup ball-winning midfielder to Naylor then, not as a right back. I'm not considering him as a right back because he's he, at most he's looked passable at right back, and that's not what you want considering the players we have. And with walks, yes, he's done okay, yeah, and I'm very happy he's playing well now at left back. But again, I'm looking for players who can make the stack up to the championship. And I don't want Portsmouth getting promoted and then being having to rely on Bolton and Walks at right-back in the championship, because so that's unfair on them. And what would you expect
0: if that was to happen? I want them both as injury cover. You know, I want them in the squad, injury cover. They need them to play at the moment. Um, mm. I, I don't have a problem in dropping one of them in if someone gets injured, you know. you know. It's great that Walks and Bolton are playing well at the moment. I don't think that will necessarily be sustained. So... If they come in and and perform well and fill the gaps, then that's what a good team does to get promoted out of League One. Mm. Precisely. Cool. Um, In terms of proper number 10,
1: I will look at number 10s and come back on another time. Because I mainly look at at defenders, because that's what I was looking at first as the weak links. But I understand why people are looking at playmaking number 10s. Because I think it would be a lot better for a striker like John Marcus if we had one. So another time we might come back on the podcast with a list of playmaking number tens who could fill in that gap later.
0: Maybe we'll just do that. We'll do a we'll, we'll title this uh, and, uh, we'll defenders it, we'll, and fullbacks. Then we'll do yeah. centre attacking midfielders. We'll make, we'll make
1: midfielders. it as a PO forecast e- extra
0: or something. There you go, mate. We're already an hour twenty minutes into this one. Um, right, let's go. Mark Elliott, cheers for messaging in, mate. He says back four were a joke yesterday, and someone in the middle to put a tackle in and not just jog back.
1: <laughs> well you mentioned the mk don's game was similar to the accrington game where yeah. the defense were a turnstile. we've gone over players who can play there the midfield i think it's just a it was a confidence issue why they were just jogging back and so on and i understand why because yeah. if Naylor doesn't put a foot in in the game i'm not expecting ben close to he's not that sort of player and if andy cannon's playing further up the pitch then What do you expect? So, really, I think that I think the reason why the midfield collapsed is because neither was off form in the center midfield anyway. So, which is just frustrating.
0: Everyone had lost confidence what was going on and they just sort of put their heads down and saw the game out. Um, Alan Bastard says a center midfielder and two defenders. Mm. Well, we've gone through that, we will come on to the center midfielders and two defenders. Hopefully, you like some of the options we provided. Uh, Will Greenaway says Manny Monfey from Tranmere He
1: is on my bigger list and I left him off I left him off because I knew that the comment was coming up Mm -hmm. In terms of aerial duels solid at least 74% So he's winning three quarters of his aerial duels Which is which is the highest on my list in terms of a dominating centre half Which is really good and he's high up on there for defensive duels one as well and tackles In terms of his passing, let me just quickly find his passing Bear with me The reason why I didn't put him as much on that list is because for me his passing wasn't as good as some of the other suggestions He's okay for me. I think so anyway. Well, he Right. I found his passing He makes a lot less passes than the others that I've mentioned, but he has a 75% accuracy and in terms of forward passes his accuracy is less than some of the others I mentioned but I don't think he would be a bad shout as another centre half option and a cheaper option compared to Ihekwe and Gallagher, who I mentioned. And he's 24 years old, so he's entering his prime as well. So he can improve a bit more. If also signed Man in Monfrey, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be unhappy by any means. He's another top
0: quality centre half and he's a threat from
1: a corner as well.
0: I think he looked decent against us as well. Actually, yeah, at Fratton Park. I think um, another thing about him is the Tranmere are a team that have been under the cosh quite a lot this season so it's not a surprise actually that he's got less passes as well per 19 yeah. than other players in the team in it the might be a
1: bit de- it might take him a little bit longer to suit into the team because you know what ports of like sometimes we could control the game so it might feel a bit different for a, a different a half like mom to be asked to do a tiny bit more on the ball than he's used to but he's not bad on the ball
0: by any means no good suggestion mate nice one will appreciate that um, Lee Cross came in and he said, Definitely need a centre back. We've done that. And a midfield playmaker. We'll come on to that with a further episode. Also, a good goal scorer to help out Harrison. I don't think we need another striker. We've got shitloads already, mate. Um, that's my opinion. Cool. Freddie. We're done. We're done, mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice one, mate. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed this episode. I um, hope everyone else has listening. But I think we've got through a lot of stuff there.
1: Yeah, I think we've gone through a. A lot of players, and thank you to everybody who messaged in and who listens on the reg. It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure doing
0: these. No, massive, mate. And we've we've actually done this now. We did one episode, the last one, and then straight into this one. So it's been over two hours now of podcasting. So Mm -hmm. it would have been.
1: I think it probably would have been the longest one ever if we linked them together. Yeah, it would have
0: been. Yeah, it would definitely have been. But I think it's easier for people to listen, isn't it? Um, in two sections. Oh, precisely. If they if they're not sick of my voice by then. They're already sick of my voice, mate. They're already tuning in (laughs) to listen to everyone else who comes on the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, mate, it's been awesome. Um, Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, If you're still listening now again, cheers, because we're now 20 minutes in. Um, Click subscribe, like it on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And until next time, play out Pompey. You have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now, available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full time whistle.